You're watching Running the Point on Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama, or if you're listening to us on our audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, we're changing the narrative in the sports talk industry. We are what sports talk should be. Bold. Noah Gardner here with you, and there's a lot of negativity right now in the Auburn football universe, and you get it. After this loss to South Carolina, 30-22, to after what was a very promising start, three interceptions from Bo Nix, you understand, and you have understood, and I continue to understand, where all the negativity comes from around this Auburn program, all the way stretching back to the Georgia game. It doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to be getting worse. But it's easy to point out the negatives. I'll do you one better, or three better, We're going to point out the top three positive attributes after four games for this Auburn football team, and this is not me being a sunshine pumper. I know there's a large section of the Auburn fan base who is like, man, we don't like those guys over there. Those guys are weird. They're they're the ones who it's always happy all the time, and it's not always happy when it comes to Auburn athletics. We understand that sometimes, like in Atlanta sports, rip Atlanta Braves this past week in World Series hopes, or this past weekend, rather. We understand that there are some letdowns, and the Gus Malzahn tenure has certainly been up and down. Seems like, it's kind of like a cat with nine lives when you're talking about Auburn football and the Gus Malzahn tenure, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But I understand where the negativity comes from, and I'm not here to be a sunshine pumper, but... Auburn, there's another half to Auburn's football team, but there are some positive things that Auburn football is doing right now. And so today's show, we're going to be talking about some of those positive things that Auburn's doing right now and how those can be transitioned into a turnaround for Auburn football this year. That's where the cat with nine lives part comes in because it does not seem like Auburn's program has ever fallen apart under Gus Malzahn. They always find a way to land on their feet. They always find a way to keep the ship from sinking. Now, sure, there have been seven and five seasons under Gus Malzahn, but they have still always found a way to create promise for the next year. Always have. 2018, they did it in the Music City Bowl. Yes, I hear myself talking right now, the Music City Bowl, but they did do it nonetheless. They left you with promise going into the 2019 season with an explosive performance in the Music City Bowl against Purdue, went 8-5. and five. You look at 2016, hot off the heels of what was a disappointing year in 2015, and even a disappointing start in 2016 when Auburn opened up the year 1-2 and two after losses to Clemson and Texas A&M. Auburn finished that year 8-5 and five as well due to injuries to Sean White's arms and uh, other key positions on that team like a Cameron Petway who also got hurt late in that season but Auburn was going into that Georgia game that year with a real shot at making it to the SEC championship they still played a New Year's Six bowl game against Oklahoma Auburn at times throughout the Gus Malzahn tenure seems like it has been on the verge of falling apart but still found a way to keep it all together which is why we are still here in year eight and there are cookie crumbs It seems like there are fewer this year than we have seen in other years, but there are cookie crumbs out there right now to sustain this program and to keep it alive and to possibly, once again, for this team to land on its feet. They always find a way to survive. And I'm 
these positive attributes that I'm about to point out, these top three positive attributes are some of the reasons why I think you could see this team survive moving forward this year, especially with this game against Ole Miss. And we'll get into the Ole Miss game on the next segment. But we'll start off, number one, the running game. Tank Bigsby's emergence as Auburn's primary offensive weapon has not come with volume but with explosive plays, physical running, he's showcasing the untapped potential of the Tigers' next great running back. And I really thought his usage rate would increase this past week against South Carolina, and it didn't. I was shocked. I think if Auburn ran Tank Bigsby 10 more times on Saturday, Auburn wins the football game. Because I don't think Auburn throws three interceptions if they run Tank Bigsby 10 more times. I think Auburn scores more touchdowns if they run Tank Bigsby 10 more times. I think the result looks different if Auburn runs Tank Bigsby 10 more times against South Carolina. And Auburn, instead of being 2-2, two and two, is 3-1, and one, and they look like they're one step closer to figuring things out on the offensive side of the ball. Despite being ninth in the SEC in rushing attempts, which is middle of the pack in the league, really bottom half of the pack among SEC starting running backs, so there's the not-with-volume part, Tank Bigsby sits at number five in rushing yards with 303 and number three in yards per carry at 6.06. He's the best Auburn running back we've seen since Carryon Johnson last couple years, I know. I even think he's, as pointed out in our last episode of this show last week, he's having, in my opinion, the best year and the best start we've seen from an Auburn freshman running back. It's my contention if he stays healthy by the end of this year, Tank Bigsby will have had the most successful freshman running back season at Auburn since 2000, maybe even ever. So when you're talking about this rushing attack, even the offensive line's chipping in. I think we're seeing offensive line improvement. I'll get into more detail on that later. It's received its fair share of criticism, and the team's rushing effort's been effective. They're sitting at fourth in the SEC in yards per carry. What more do you want from the offensive line and run blocking. It's getting the job done right now. And even in addition to that, Tank Bigsby is creating his own space. He's adding yards after contact. Uncharacteristically, this season, Auburn has thrown the ball more times than they have ran the ball. They have more passing attempts than rushing attempts. It's fair to ask what the Auburn offense would look like this year if the running game was the focal point. For the first time that I can ever remember in my life, maybe ever in Auburn history, the running game is not the focal point of the offense. And now is the time that Auburn needs it to be. In other years under Gus Malzahn, I can already remember and hear the clamoring for more passes. And in those years, yes, there was a necessity for more of a passing game. But it wasn't that people were asking for the passing game to be the primary focus. It was that people were asking for there to be balance inside the offense. And now it feels like there's a there, there's still an absence of balance and that you've almost sacrificed one for the other. It's fair to ask, with the statistics that we've pointed out in the rushing attack, what would the running game and the Auburn offense look like if they allowed it to be the focal point, if they allowed it to take over in a football game? 47 passing attempts against South Carolina, if I remember correctly. That's not going to cut it in the SEC. You shouldn't be having to throw the ball 47 times a game. Mississippi State is throwing the ball 47 times a game. And look at them right now, exposed. Number two, and this one not as much of 
something that I think will contribute to a turnaround, but it is a positive that I want to point out that I think is interesting. Field goals. Of course, yes, Auburn would rather be scoring touchdowns right now than leading the SEC in field goals made per, uh, not per game, but just overall with eight. This is the most successful season we've seen under Anders Carlson as the place kicker. Steadily, Carlson has increased his field goal percentage from when he was a freshman in 2018 from 60% to 72% last year in 2019 and then 89% this season. He's 8 for 9 on the year. Among teams that have missed a field goal, Auburn leads in field goal percentage. There are only three teams, so Auburn's second in the league in overall field goal percentage. Among three teams in the SEC, or there are only three teams in the SEC that have not missed a field goal, and that's Alabama, Arkansas, and Florida, and they really haven't kicked that many. Once again, Auburn leading the league in field goals. Not necessarily a stat that you want because you want to be scoring touchdowns, but the point is, for the first time since Anders' older brother Daniel in 2017 was kicking, Auburn finally has a consistent, accurate weapon at kicker. And look, let's just be real. Auburn, in the Arkansas game, they, they really should have already made that field goal. They shouldn't have had to have kicked it for the second time. If you'll remember, Anders Carlson on a previous drive missed a field goal relatively close. And so my point that I'm trying to illustrate to you is that missing field goals can lose you football games. Go and look at the NFL. Seems like field goal kicking the NFL gets more and more putrid by the year. And there are definitely many teams in the NFL who are just searching for that kicker that won't lose them football games. It happens all the time, and it happens at the collegiate level as well. Kickers can lose football games. So it is a benefit for Auburn that they finally have a consistent, accurate weapon at kicker. But once again, we got to turn field goals into touchdowns if you're the Auburn Tigers. And then number three, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, offensive line improvement for right now. The two most scrutinized position groups on Auburn's roster right now are at quarterback and offensive line. And after the Georgia game, it was my contention that – in the weekly blame debate between Auburn's offensive line and Bo Nix, that it was more of the offensive line's fault after week two. Two weeks later, I do not hold the same opinion. I think we have seen legitimate improvement from the offensive line, and you can see it statistically. You can also look at how Bo Nix has regressed since that point. Bo Nix feeling phantom pressure in the pocket, leaving the pocket. I don't think he has felt legitimate pressure the past two weeks, and he leaves the pocket constantly. It happens often. And last week, it finally turned into crucial interceptions that I think you can point directly to why Auburn lost the football game against South Carolina. Back to some of those stats for you. Auburn right now ranked number 14 in the country and tackles for loss allowed per game at 14, or excuse me, at 4.25. 14.25 would definitely not be good enough for 14th. But Auburn at 14th in the country right now and tackles for loss allowed per game. And they have played the best defense in college football. So it's not like they've played patty cake defenses up to this point. Look at Kentucky's defense right now and what they did to Tennessee, what they did to Mississippi State. They have played good defenses up to this point. As stated earlier in the running game, we went over those running stats or those rushing stats. They're in the top tier of the league, top four in yards per carry. The offensive line's not a complete product, but I don't think Auburn's going to face a pass rush and someone that has been able to put pressure on Bo Nix like Georgia did in week two. I don't think Auburn is going to face that again until they play Alabama. I don't think the SEC defenses this year are below average at best. Definitely 
subpar for what we're used to in the SEC. And so I don't think we're going to see that with Bo Nix anymore it actually feeling real pressure. Everything that he's got right now seems to be self-imposed, not only from himself, but also from some of the passing mechanics that we've seen in this offense, route concepts, play calling. I think we have seen that affect him and put some pressure on him that is unwarranted. But the running game's working right now. And if you can get some of that pressure off of Bo, Bo Nix's shoulders right now, and, and for the fact that this offensive line is not keeping Auburn behind the line of scrimmage, they are able to stay ahead of the chains when they run the football. The offensive line's improving. It's not a complete product, but it is improving. And that is something to be said when you've still got six games left of this season. I know there are some Auburn fans out there right now that are thinking, oh my goodness, we've got six more games of this. And yes, it could turn into that. It could turn into, oh my gosh... We've got six more games of this. It could be. Things could not get better. But there are at least some positives to point towards and at least something to build from when you're looking at this offense and what could contribute to a turnaround. We'll talk about that turnaround on the other side of this break here on Running the Point. How can Auburn turn around its season against Ole Miss? I've got the blueprint for you. Stay tuned right here on Running the Point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. on Running the Point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports, or if you're listening to the audio podcast on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. We thank you for joining us. Noah Gardner here with you. In the first segment, talked about some positive things that Auburn football is doing right now. Yes, positive things. And I'll be honest, I opened up the segment talking about sunshine pumpers, and I'm not trying to be a sunshine pumper right now with Auburn football. It's easy to point out the negatives with this Auburn football team. And when I started my preparation for this week and I thought about Auburn football, I was thinking, you know, what can we talk about this week? And the first thing that my mind goes to is like, all right, what what are the biggest issues that's facing Auburn football right now? I'm like, no, everybody's talking about that. Everybody is talking about the issues. Everybody is. So let's do it one better. Let's try and find the positives. Let's dig deep into this program and see what there are, what what there is for this Auburn team to build off of. And it took me a little while, I'm not going to lie. There, there definitely was a lot less positives than negatives when you're talking about this Auburn football team. That's why this isn't sunshine pumping. I am willing to admit that, yes, there are a lot of negatives with this Auburn football team. There are more negatives. They vastly outnumber the positives right now. But you can find positives in this team that I think Auburn can build off of moving forward to help turn around their season. And that's what we've got for you in this segment. How can Auburn turn around its season against Ole Miss? I think it can happen, and I think it will happen. Auburn football right now trying to keep its head above water in this 10-game SEC schedule. A loss to Ole Miss on Saturday will drop Auburn below 500 for the first time since early in the 2016 season when they were 1-2 and two after a loss to Texas A&M back in September, which would be symbolic 
of the sinking trajectory of the Tigers' season. That for the first time since 2016, Auburn would be below 500. That's symbolic of this sinking trajectory, the sinking feeling that Auburn fans are feeling right now as they are thinking, oh my gosh, there is still six games of this madness. With a win, Auburn could regenerate the momentum that they had after that Kentucky game. They can generate the momentum necessary to get this season under control and stabilize the Gus Malzahn tenure. We've seen it time and time again. There have been years, 2015, even start of 2016, 2018, where they haven't gone great, where Auburn has had its issues, but they found a way to survive, and then the next year they bounce back even better than before. Without 2015 an improvement in 2015, and survival in 2015, you may not have the success that you saw in 16. And barring injury, that team is possibly an SEC championship squad. They still went to a New Year's Six Bowl game. With the potential that you saw in 16, that translated to an SEC championship appearance in 2017. This Auburn football team has a habit of surviving. I don't know what it is, but under Gus Malzahn, they've got nine lives, and it's year eight for Malzahn. I'm just saying. They have a habit of surviving. They've got it. Games against Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee, they provide a picture of certainly a winnable schedule for the Tigers. Including Saturday, the next four teams have a combined record of 5-10. and 10. If that isn't winnable, I don't know what is. All right? If Auburn loses to all of those teams, well, of course, yes, the wheels did fall off. The cat is dead. And the season is over. But that's a winnable schedule, 5-10. and 10. You've got to think with the talent that Auburn's got and you feel like there's untapped potential with this team that all of those games are winnable. What direction will Auburn football go, up or down? Here are the steps Auburn needs to take on Saturday to begin that turnaround. And we talked about those positives in the first half of the show. And number one, run the football. Uncharacteristically, once again, Auburn has more passing attempts than rushing attempts this year. That is not Auburn football. Supposedly, it's fast and physical. Passing game doesn't necessarily shout physical to me. And Auburn's running the ball better than they have since 2017 with Carrion Johnson. This best rushing attack we've seen in three to four years. Tate Bigsby placing fifth in the SEC in rushing yards, third in yards per carry. Whether self-imposed or not, right now Bo Nix is feeling a lot of pressure. Make the game more simple for the quarterback. An effective rushing attack is a remedy for a struggling quarterback. It's a safe haven. It's a crutch. And right now, Bo Nix and this Auburn offense is limping, and they need a crutch. Ole Miss right now on defense giving up 265 rushing yards per game. 6.16 yards per rush towards the bottom of the SEC in that, towards the bottom of the nation in that, it's time to exploit the running game this week. Auburn ought to be able to run the football with ease. It ought to be on autopilot. If Tank Bigsby doesn't get at least 22 carries in this game. See, I thought he should have had 10 more against South Carolina. I think with 10 more against South Carolina, Auburn wins that football game because I don't think Auburn throws three interceptions with 10 carries or 10 more carries. I think if they make the rushing attack the focal point, then this Auburn football team will be in a good position on Saturday. Some of those mistakes that are happening in the passing attack will not happen, simply put, because you're keeping the ball on the ground. There's that adage that there's you know a bunch of things that can go wrong with the pass play, but not as much when you're keeping the ball on the ground. 
Number two, calm down Bo Nix. The guy's got happy feet. He could audition for that Penguin movie. He's got happy feet right now. Phantom pressure, leaving the pocket, and it's not even collapsing. He feels like the walls are caving in. Most paranoid quarterback right now in the SEC. He's all over the place. His footwork's not great, and he's making poor decisions. He made a lot of poor decisions in that South Carolina game, and now they're actually transitioning into turnovers and now directly a loss. I think you can put that loss on Bo Nix's shoulders and get South Carolina. Georgia game, we cut him some slack. South Carolina game, not so much. Directly takes points off the scoreboard and puts it onto the board for South Carolina. Nix went from being one of the most stingy quarterbacks in the country to getting in to the fun of the Halloween season and throwing out interceptions like candy. Everybody head over to the Knicks offense. They've got all of the candy. Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, though, he's been worse. He he has seven picks on the year to Knicks's uh, five. So you, you look at it, and both of these offenses right now are struggling to protect the football. That's a big reason why Ole Miss lost last week to Arkansas. So they're exhibiting similar types of struggles. Ole Miss at one and three on the year. Their defense also struggling. Their defense having a worse year than Auburn. They're giving up like 36 points a game. Gave up 33 to Arkansas this past week. Both of these teams are heading in the same direction and they're exhibiting the same issues. So in this football game, if Auburn can calm down Bo Nix, then they're going to win the ball game because they're going to protect the football. And in this game, where there's going to be some points scored. The team that turns over the ball, turns over the ball, those one or two drives where you're not putting points on the scoreboard, and I'm not necessarily saying this is going to be a shootout, but the, that, that is the difference. Those turnovers are the difference in what could be a very tight football game on Saturday and what should be a very close football game. As stated in the first point, the running game, it can calm it down. It can play a key role in setting the offense by default. If Auburn runs the ball more, then they are going to calm down Bo Nix. Also, get the guy some easier pass concepts. And I'm not saying screen passes every play, but try to build up some confidence earlier in the game before you know sending this guy on bootlegs and having him make difficult throws on the run. Try and keep him in the pocket, build some confidence. And once the confidence is built, open it up, attack down the field. This Ole Miss defense is cushy and it's soft and it should be like punching a pillow. It should be easy. It should not, it should not be difficult for Auburn to put up points on Saturday. And if they're struggling, there could be greater deep-seated issues within the program. And then number three, and this one we're going to take a look at it on the defensive side of the ball. And I think some defensive issues will be remedied if the offense can turn the corner a little bit because there won't be as much pressure on that side of the ball and it allowed them to start being able to grow and be able to make some mistakes throughout the span of a football game without them being crucial errors. And on this side of the ball, I just want to see the defense be a little bit more refined and tackle in space. Auburn has not found a replacement yet for the losses in the defensive backfield, namely from Javaris Davis and, and, um, and Jeremiah Denson. Those are the two big losses, I think, in the run-stop game that I think Auburn hasn't quite found a way to replace. Of course, I don't think they've found a way to replace Daniel Thomas either or Noah Igbenogany. I think all four of those guys were physical, were able to play against the run very well, were fast, were able to cover a lot of ground, and they were sure tacklers. I think they were good in pass protection too, namely Noah Igbenogany. That's why he was a first-round draft pick. I don't think we've seen a substantial drop in Auburn's pass coverage. They're still in, in, in the top half of the country in pass defense. But Auburn is sorely lacking defenders right now that can tackle in space. 
across the board, everywhere. But in the defensive backfield is where you feel it the most because that's when a pass out to a tight end or to a running back out in the flats turns in from a moderate to short game into large gains. That's when you see one missed tackle out on the edge with a running back on a carry turn into a big play. That's when you see guys take bad angles. It turns into big plays. And right now, Auburn is seeing what could be short or moderate gains turn into large gains. And Auburn, I would just love to see a more refined effort and presence out on the edge and out in space, and I think it would help this defense. I think it would do wonders for this defense. They're not giving up a lot of yards per game. It's like 390 per game. It's not great. It's not terrible. But that number would come down, and offenses would have to work a little bit harder to move the ball down the field. Auburn's got to shore it up, tackling and and just being more refined all over the field. They're just making too many mistakes right now when it comes to tackling, and that's not something we're accustomed to seeing with the Kevin Steele era. Kind of makes you wonder if we're beginning to see some unraveling on that side. Once again, not being a sunshine pumper this this, this week, there, there are issues that could be deep-seated. This week is, is where it's really going to get exposed. Is Auburn going to keep its head above water, or is it going to begin to sink? For the first time since 2016, Auburn could fall below 500. And it was September in that year, and Auburn ended up having a good year that year. Or Auburn's going to pop its head above water and put together a run here over these next three games against Ole Miss, LSU, and Mississippi State. If Auburn wins all those three games, we're talking about a 5-2 and two Auburn football team going against Tennessee. Should be winnable. They have only scored seven points in the last six quarters. Then you're looking at a 6-2 and two Auburn team going into the Iron Bowl. And I'm not saying this Auburn team is equipped to beat Alabama. I'm beginning to think that nobody in this country is equipped to beat Alabama this year with the firepower that they have on the offensive side of the ball. And when they figure out defense, watch out. It, it will get ugly. And we'll watch Ohio State play on Saturday, and we'll see what they look like. And, of course, Clemson looks nasty as well. They're turning it on, folks. Sorry, Georgia Tech, 73-7. to But... There are a few teams in this country and no team at the SEC right now that I think can keep up with Alabama. So losing Alabama this year, fine. You're at 6-3, and three, and then you've got the game against Texas A&M, which if you have truly improved and you've came a long way, maybe that game's winnable. But my question to you is, will you take 6-4 and four this year after how bad it has looked at the start of this season? I mean, Auburn could go from 3-7 and seven to 6-4 and four this year. Three and seven, four and six could be what you're looking at right now with the way Auburn's playing. To all of a sudden, six and four. I think that's feasible, and I think you take that, and I think that's survival. I think you see this staff return next year, and maybe you see improvement. I don't know. Maybe it's the same type of topsy turvy year again next year, but I do think it is survival for this coaching staff and another year earned where there is a lot of scrutiny on it right now. I think six is the magic number for this football team. Maybe five. Especially with the way that it's looked to open up this year with it being such a weird year. But only time will tell, and this weekend is the beginning. Auburn right now, head up and down above water. Do they sink, or do they finally start to swim? We find out how many lives this cat has left this season. Coming back up next on Running the Point, we've got picks. Who's the exposed pick of the week? We're going to get spicy with it. American Athletic Conference. Got my eyes on you. We got it. Coming up next on Running the Point.
We've got game picks here for you on Running the Point coming up right here on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports or on the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Game picks here coming for you, and we'll start off with the exposed pick of the week, and we'll roll the clip from last week's where I was exposed. Boston College got absolutely blown out by Virginia Tech. I picked the line last week. Here we go. Roll it. But I don't think they're going to lose by more than 11 because of that defense. They've hung with every team they've played this year, even in the losses. Give me the Eagles and the points in this one. That's my exposed big of the week. We'll see if I'm happy face or sad face. So I'm on a little bit of a slide right here. Two and two. I've gotten exposed again. Um, I really thought that the Boston College defense would have held it together a little bit better than that, but Virginia Tech just ran straight through them. I'm two and two on the year, but we'll get back on track with it right here. And as I said earlier, American Athletic Conference, I've got my eyes on you, and so will the country. It's an 8 p.m. ESPN2 kickoff. Primetime slot, sort of. Still 8 p.m. That's pretty late. That's 9 p.m. East Coast, still a night game. ESPN2, ranked-on-rank matchup here right now. Number 9, Cincinnati at number 16, SMU. SMU, two-and-a-half-point favorites, but still, this is an upset. If SMU wins this game, it's still an upset. 8 p.m. ESPN2 once again, and I'm going to take SMU to win this game outright. And once again, I know they're two-and-a-half-point favorites, but I'm, I'm picking them to expose Cincinnati this week as not a top-10 team. And I don't think SMU is a top 10 team either, maybe even a top 15 team, but I think that this one's going to go their way at home. SMU's prolific offense, 42.6 points per game, meets Cincinnati's staunch defense, 12.3 points allowed per game. Funny thing is, neither of these teams has been tested yet. They haven't been tested by the best the American Athletic Conference has to offer and now they will be. I think these two teams probably are the two best teams in the American Athletic Conference. That's going to change on Saturday night. After watching Alabama overcome Georgia's defense last Saturday, I'm being snookered into beautiful offensive numbers. And typically, I lean defense in these kind of clash of styles. But after what I saw last week, I, I think that this is the Alabama-Georgia matchup of the American Athletic Conference. And I'm going to side with SMU. I think they've got too many weapons. Cincinnati on offense, they're struggling on that side of the ball, scoring 24 against Army, 28 against USF. So I'm going to pick SMU to expose ninth-ranked Cincinnati. And all of these group of five teams, enjoy it while you can. Enjoy playing in the sandbox that is the top 25 right now. Big 10's back, Pac-12's on the way. Even some Mountain West schools are playing football this week. It's a full range of action in college football, so enjoy playing around in the top 15 while you can because the big boys are coming back. And these next two teams, not necessarily big boys, especially after what happened in North Carolina last week, but we got two ranked teams again. Number 23, NC State at number 14, North Carolina. 14.5 point favorites are the Tar Heels, 11 a.m. ESPN. I'm going with North Carolina to win this one. Top five, North Carolina seemed like a stretch, but losing to Florida State seems somehow even further off the mark. The Tar Heels are still a good football team, and I think they're better than NC State. Back at home, they're going to return to their winning ways behind the arm of Sam Howell, who I still believe is the second-best quarterback in the ACC. they got an effective passing game behind him and some of their talented receivers. North Carolina defense, also stingier than NC State. I just think they're better all around than NC State, and I'll take North Carolina at home. Mac Brown's a good coach. I don't think he's going to allow a slide here to start for this North Carolina team that was supposed to be so much more than what it is this year. 
Auburn at Ole Miss, 11 a.m. SEC Network. And it seems for the first time in quite some time, these two teams have not been ranked when they've squared off. I can't remember the last time. Maybe I'm just forgetting uh, in the last couple of years, maybe these two teams haven't been ranked at the same time. But it seems like this is typically one of these teams have been ranked uh, since 2013, it's felt that way. Auburn three-point favorites here on the road. I'm going to take Auburn in this one. And to this point, I think Ole Miss has exhibited more firepower than Auburn. I think Ole Miss has even, in many ways, despite last week, looked like the better football team than Auburn at times. I think those weapons that they've exhibited has, has put fear to Auburn fans, at least for the past two weeks, especially when they were watching Ole Miss take on Alabama. But, and I talked about this in the last two segments, Auburn's head is bobbing above and below water. Two and two overall. It's kind of a symbolic moment in the Gus Malzahn tenure. Which way is this going to go? Up or down? If it goes down, I could see Auburn falling apart. If it goes up, I could see Auburn surviving again and finding a way like they do every year that something seems to go wrong. They have found a way to survive. And, and there have been multiple points in the Gus Malzahn tenure where I have looked at an Auburn football team and I've been like, man, I've given you guys a lot of leash. I've seen you guys struggle. I continue to pick you every week. Now I'm giving up on you. Now this is where things really go south. It's that point where you're just like, this has got to be the point of no return. This team cannot possibly come back from this. And then I end up being wrong every time. I'm not falling for it this time and and watch it go the other way this time but I'm picking Auburn to win this game there's a mismatch between Auburn's rushing attack and Ole Miss's rushing defense Auburn's at four in the SEC in yards per carry at 4.64 they're fourth in the SEC in yards per carry Ole Miss giving up 265 rush yards per game there are defenses that aren't giving up that much in pass yards per game Ole Miss is just like here you can run through this hole or this one or this one, it's easy right now. I think that's going to prove to be the difference. I think Auburn finally will wisen up and are going to really use Tank Bigsby to the fullest extent. Moving out to the Big 12 where they don't play defense either. Oklahoma, six and a half point favorites over TCU, 11 a.m. ABC. Got Oklahoma in this one against Texas. We saw Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Radler spent some time on the sideline. Whether that was for injury or a shaky start, it definitely gave them some time to think, and it gave this Oklahoma team some time to think about their actions as well. When it looked like they could have lost to Texas, they came back, they won the football game, won it in triple overtime. I think these two teams are heading in different directions. TCU, the only thing consistent about them has been inconsistency. I think they have a good quarterback and Max Duggan, but I think Oklahoma, they're going to go above 500 this week, and they're going to continue on their positive trajectory. TCU, on the other hand, going in the opposite direction. I like Oklahoma to win this one, just more talented. Number two, Alabama at Tennessee, 2.30 p.m. CBS. I think Alabama is going to cover the 21.5-point line here as if things could not get worse for Tennessee after a 34-7 debacle against Kentucky last week. But now the Vols must play Alabama in their annual rivalry game. Yeah, it is still a rivalry game. A lot of people like to say that this one isn't a rivalry game. It is. Rivalry games are more than just if it's a competitive series. It's more about tradition, and this does have tradition and just animosity between the two fan bases. They don't like each other, but it hasn't been competitive. You're right. It hasn't been. Tennessee looked like it could win the SEC East after that first half against Georgia. They had the lead, but that Tennessee team is long gone. It's missing. It's MIA. Call if you find them, okay? This Tennessee team, they have scored seven points in the last six 
quarters of football. Seven points in six quarters since they led at halftime against Georgia. They didn't score any more in that half. And then last week they scored seven against Kentucky. Tennessee has scored more points for Kentucky than they have scored in the last six quarters. Two pick sixes to the Wildcats. They've scored more points for the other team. That ain't going to fly against Alabama. They're not going to be able to keep up with that torrent pace. I know I know this could have been quicker. I mean, we all knew that Alabama is going to win this game. I just wanted to make fun of Tennessee for a little bit. Number 17, Iowa State at number 6, Oklahoma State, 2.30 p.m. Fox, 3.5-point favorites are the Pokes. I'm going to take Oklahoma State in this one, and I don't feel good about it. This one was on the docket for possible exposed pick of the week. I think Iowa State well-coached with Matt Campbell. I think he's going to be a hot name on the coaching market after this year. Don't look now, but they're undefeated in the Big 12 right now after losing in Week 1 to Louisiana Lafayette, which is no longer in first place in the Sun Belt. And Iowa State looks like they could win the Big 12. Kansas State also undefeated in the Big 12 right now after losing to Arkansas State. So what I'm gathering right now is that the Sun Belt owns the Big 12 conference. That, that is what I'm, that's what I'm learning right now. Oklahoma State still running for their lives weekly from the cesspool that is the Big 12, the mediocrity that is in the Big 12, and I think they escape again this week. And I don't think Iowa State's necessarily mediocre, but I don't think that they're a great team either. I think they're just, I think they're just good, and I don't think that's going to be enough. I still lean towards, and I talked about this earlier, I still lean towards defense and running the football for winning games, unless you're Alabama that can score 80 points a ball game. Oklahoma State runs the football well. They play good defense. They got Chuba Hubbard out of the backfield, and their defense only giving up nine points a game. I think that translates well into this matchup against Iowa State. I'm going to take Oklahoma State to win it. Moving back into the SEC for a couple of picks. Kentucky at Missouri, 3 p.m. SEC Network. I'm going to take the Wildcats in this one. I thought Kentucky was buried after 0-2. I thought Mississippi State was going to beat them, drop them to 0-3. Since then, they've bounced back. They pushed down Tennessee last week and kept them on the ground, kept kicking them while they were down 34-7. They're on an upward trajectory, walloping Tennessee last week, 34-7 once again. Kentucky's defense, second in the SEC in interceptions with nine. They have nine picks on the defensive side of the ball through four games. That's wild. Over two a game over the past two weeks, Kentucky's been effective in making opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable. They exposed K.J. Costello, and then they exposed Tennessee. Kentucky right now, I think, is going to expose another quarterback. Connor Bazelak has done some positive things at quarterback for Missouri. Don't forget, Missouri's coming off that win against LSU where they scored 45 points. But I think with a freshman, Bazelak is going to struggle to throw the football against this Kentucky defense that has largely been one of the better pass defenses in the SEC this year. South Carolina at LSU, four-and-a-half-point favorites to the Tigers, 6 p.m. ESPN. LSU back in action after what happened last week where they weren't able to play against Florida. That game postponed. I'm going to take South Carolina in this one. And and if LSU quarterback Miles Brennan was playing in this game, which right now at the time that we're recording this, Miles Brennan not expected to play for LSU this Saturday, I would be fairly confident in LSU winning this football game and being able to outscore South Carolina on offense. But now after a week that has resulted in self-imposed penalties for LSU and then What has happened at quarterback, there are just too many distractions for LSU. I think the wheels are beginning to fall off for Ed Orgeron here after winning a national championship. I'm going to take South Carolina to continue to build momentum. And then you wonder about Will Muschamp, one of the hottest seats in the SEC entering this year. And he's all of a sudden 3-2, and and he's beating some okay football teams. So South Carolina, I think they're going to beat LSU in this one. And then for what is the game of the week this week, what is one of the most high-profile matchups of the weekend and of a slate that's really our best slate of the year so far. Go figure the Big Ten enters like, hey, everybody, we're playing big matchups this week. We originally weren't going to play football, but we're back. 
Number 18, Michigan, at number 21, Minnesota, 6.30 p.m. ABC, three-and-a-half-point favorites to Harbaugh and the Wolverines, and I don't like it one bit. Give me the Golden Gophers. We are going to row the boat here on Running the Point. Michigan, they're breaking in a new starting quarterback, four new starters on the offensive line. Minnesota, on the other hand, they're bringing in nine starters back on the offensive side of the ball, including 3,200-yard passer Tanner Morgan, who can throw a pretty deep ball, and he's got the deep ball wide receivers to go with it. Rashad Bateman back, 1,200-yard receiver last year. I expect this P.J. Fleck-led Golden Gophers. That's a tongue twister. P.J. Fleck-led Golden Gophers. Say that 10 times fast. You can't do it. I expect them to have a more refined product entering the beginning of the regular season for the Big Ten. I don't think this Minnesota team is a is necessarily just going to win the Big Ten this year. I, I, I'm not saying that. I just think that after game one, and maybe Michigan finishes the year better than Minnesota, I don't know. But I think right now, game one, the experience weighs out over what Michigan's having to do after all this uncertainty that we've seen in that conference and in some of these other conferences in college football. I think it weighs out better in Minnesota's favor than it does for Michigan. That does it for another edition of Running the Point. You guys are going to love next week's episode. We've got some awesome things planned for you. Some Halloween-themed stuff. Stay tuned for that next week. Running the Point will be back next week. You can watch it on Fox Sports Central Alabama or on Radio Alabama Sports' Facebook page. Or you can listen to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. See you next week, everybody. As for myself, Noah Gardner, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. So long, everybody. God bless.